You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, everyone. I am Martina Cunha, and you're listening to Backstage Talk. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Backstage Talk. Today's guest is Grace Aki. Grace is a comedian, performer, painter, writer, and marketing strategist. She does a lot of things, and trust me, she does them very well. Um, Following her win for Best Actress Award for her role as Princess Fiona in Shrek at the historic Tivoli Theater, Grace moved to New York. Her show, To Free a Mockingbird, is an emotional roller coaster that will make you laugh, cry, and question your own family dynamics. At least, that's what happened to me when I saw Grace. Um, so I am really honored to have such an iconic person on the show. So Grace, welcome to Backstage Talk. What a warm welcome and also references to like before I moved here. What an amazing chat. I'm so excited. We've been wanting to to have this conversation forever. So this is really, really special. Thank you so much for having me on your show. No, it's truly my honor. So what did I miss on your bio? Because you are truly <laughs> a multi-hyphenate. Yeah, um, it's hard to like not sound like a total like ego maniacal psychopath but you're right like I do do a lot of stuff and I think I chalk that up to you know trying to be like the perfect child growing up of like I can do everything I promise you know I don't know if that's like Asian American upbringing or what but I'm just saying that it's it is something and and we all want to do our best especially like for our parents and um yeah I just I I took up too much and I, I, you know, I, someone asked me the other day on, uh, I did like an AMA on Instagram and someone said like, um, what is your favorite hobby? And then I had a really hard time trying to narrow down what my hobbies are because mm -hmm. I do so much that I enjoy that aren't hobbies. I've like monetized so many things that I enjoy, which I need to probably dial back on, like do something that's just for you. And, um, yeah, so I agree. I do a lot of stuff, <laughs> but there you are like, being groundbreaking things, doing groundbreaking things on everything you do. Like you are a marketing strategist. You are also a writer. You perform, you sing, you paint. Like the, the I, I remember seeing on um, Twitter, maybe, or, or Instagram, a friend of mine got your Sondheim drawing. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the watercolor drawing. And I was like, oh, 
I want that for my apartment. I want one too. <laughs> I'm going to send you one. I got it. It was funny. Um, unfortunately, under after his passing, someone commissioned me to do a, a Stephen Sondheim like portrait, and I was so honored. And um, then I did I I did a reprint of it because they obviously got the original, and I did a reprint for my gallery showing. And then um, someone bought that that original reprint and a really nice frame. And so now I'm like I've got to add it to my Etsy because everyone loves it. And I just didn't want to be like. At profiting off of his passing. Like yeah. I wanted to give it some time of like, I'm honoring his work hopefully. And um, yeah, I'm such a big fan. I'm actually literally holding, I, I just finished this piece for um, Into the Woods. And so you can <gasps> see like milky white and everything. I know I, I haven't even like posted about it yet, but I'm literally holding it because I have to get it to the printer. So um, yeah, I, I love, I love being able to be an artist in, in a hundred different um, kind of uh, facets because mm-hmm growing up, like I just decided that art didn't have to be limited. You know, it can be kind of any kind of medium that you want. Um, but I always had like a business brain because I don't know, we grew up in a capitalist society and I just became that kid of wanting to know everything there was to know about like selling and buying and how people are attracted to what things. And so I, you know, was a young college student at university of Tennessee. And I was like, I want to learn. I, I'm an artist and I love performing, but like, I don't know if performing pays the bills. So like, I want to be in an entrepreneurship program and like entrepreneurship was like a really strange major under like business school and marketing. But, um, yeah, so I, I took up with that and, um, ended up starting to like help teach and facilitate in like my second semester. And I was like, okay, I think I know what I'm doing. And, uh, became like the marketing director for a nonprofit theater company, which is a whole other story. Um, after that and then became a choreographer with them and then started performing with it. It was just this whole thing. So I've always had like a business brain because I think that the arts often are severely lacking in one or the other. Like it's like creative brain or business brain. And I've tried to always be a person of both disciplines because I think Mm -hmm. that they help feed each other. And as you know, like the arts, we, we have to, we have to think of that next thing. And I think especially as performance artists now, we have to know how to like market ourselves. We have to like, our social presence is your resume. Like you cannot have performed in anything regionally. uh, But if you're like, you know, big on TikTok, you might have more opportunities than other people. And, um, and it's not so much like for like clout or fame or like influence, but it's more so just to be understanding of the, how to navigate this next chapter of especially theater. So I, I just enjoy it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. But in everything that you do and everything that you are, what would be a, rum, a random fun fact about you? Okay. Um, a random fun fact about me that a lot of people don't know is that I'm like an award-winning mime. Um, the, I know that's it, it sounds like I made it up. And I, it kind of <laughs> is. But basically what happened was that uh, when I was in high school um, – I got some feedback. I'm not going to like name names because he's still a teacher. Uh, but I got feedback that I wasn't really cut out for the musical at the time and that, you know, if I could just find a different way to perform. And so I was really, I guess, vindictive and said, well, then I'm going to I'm gonna be so good at performing, I'm not even going to have to use words. And so I started like taking mime lessons with this like 
literally professional mime. And then we created this like four minute piece that I used like some of the music from Wally and I competed at like the Georgia Thespian Conference. And then I won like top 10 and performance all around and beat all the other mimes if there even were some. And uh, yeah, I got able to like, they said, oh, you can go to like nationals with this. And I was like, I'm graduating. So no, but <laughs> it's like in many ways, um, you know, again, that I, I even tried to excel in a thing that I had never done. It's kind of like a, a family pattern thing. But yeah, miming, that's a, that's a random fun fact about me. So I have a four-minute mime piece if anybody ever wants to watch it. I love that. I love that because it was a challenge. They challenged you. And challenged you were me. like, I'm going to nail this. <laughs> yeah, I'm just that much of a cuckoo a person of like, I will find the thing and I will knock it. I will try to knock it out of the park so that you go, oh, okay, well, I can, I, you can, you could try to do anything. You know what I mean? And that's like always been a fire under me for sure. I love that. But (laughs) let's trace it a little bit back. Which was your aha moment in which you said, I want to perform? Hmm. I mean, parent validation, geez. You know what I mean? Like, I think that, um, when I was, I think it was like five years old or something, I auditioned, quote unquote, for my first like little play and I couldn't read fully yet, but my mom like read me the quote sides and uh, I I went into the audition. It was for like the Three Little Pigs and they were like, oh, you know, you're, you're really, you're really expressive. We're going to make you Quackers the Duck. And my mom thought, oh, she's like in the ensemble. Like, you know, I had just been dancing since I was three. I hadn't like performed, you know, with voice or anything like that. And it turned out that Quackers was like the lead of the show because she was trying to pay the the three little pig or she was paying the wolf to get the three pigs out because they didn't like them. And it was like this weird adaptation, but it was kind of, and my mom was so excited and impressed that I could take this like dumb character at like five and make it a thing. And I think the validation and the humor of like the audience, it made me so happy. Like I was so excited to bring like joy in that way, especially like through humor. Cause I was such like a comedy nerd, even as a child that I think that that might, that might be the aha moment because I was the first time I remember having an audience and going, Oh, I really like this. And, and granted, like, you know, alcoholic dad, like always trying to like be a performer for my family. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, this is like in my bones. So, uh, that might be it. <laughs> yeah. I, I get you. Like, there are a lot of touch points between your story and my personal story that is yeah. like, I feel you, girl. Yeah. Yeah. Family, either parent validation plus yeah. uh, one alcoholic alcoholic parent trauma mixed in there trying to always be th- or have a smile on its face. Yeah. I feel you. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah. what would be the reason why you chose musical theater? I think because it's the most like musical theater is something where you are not only singing, you are acting, you are dancing. And those are all three things. I just was like, wait, hold on. You can roll up all the things I enjoy doing in one. And I really particularly in musical theater loved that there were opportunities to like do voices. Like you mentioned earlier, like one quote best actress for doing Shrek as like Princess Fiona. That wasn't my favorite part of that show. One, it was having to learn a tap dance and I wasn't a tapper. But the other was that I also got to voice Gingy 
And that was more fun to me than like playing the, you know, the, the titular like Princess Fiona. I was like, that's really cool. And I love the color green. But getting to like sit in the orchestra pit and voice Gingy from like down low and do my like funny character voices, <laughs> that that was like, that's what I love so much. So um, musical theater is just something that I think like brings us all together. And it's so multifaceted because my favorite shows personally are not always the ones that are like the tent poles of musical theater. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and I'm not like, oh, I'm, I'm different. But I just mean to say that like, not always the, you know, the big Oklahoma's, the big, yeah. you know, Hello Dolly's and all that. Like I was the the girl in middle school that every, that everybody listens to this podcast, I'm sure it was with Spring Awakening and like, um, even like later once and American Idiot. Like that's some of my favorite musical theater memories on Broadway are the the more rock and roll um, intimate shows because I was like, this is just so different. So yeah. I love that. Yeah. So how would you summarize your whole journey in this industry from moving from Georgia to New York, doing your um, your uh, premiere of your show of To Free a Mockingbird, uh, which I truly hope crossing fingers you will stream again you will have another season in any theater in new york um so listeners if you have the chance you need to see this show um so yeah tell us about that that whole journey yeah uh thank you for that again that's so so kind um i think that my journey can kind of be summarized as the same as most other people that didn't go to like NYU or Nepo Baby. Like I moved to New York because my boyfriend at the time was, had his Broadway debut. And I was like, oh my God, my life is going to change forever. And I moved and then that Broadway show closed. And I was like, so I've got to like get a job. And so I started taking classes at like UCB for like improv and I started doing stand-up. Um, my first stand-up gig in New York City was the Comedy Cellar. That's crazy. Like, if little Grace could see, like, I, I always beat myself up and I'm like, great, like, you've gotten to do all these really cool things. And um, so, yeah, my my journey was just as avant-garde as everybody else's. And because I didn't go to school here or for theater, like, it was definitely different because I didn't have those, like, school connections or anything yeah. like that. But, like, you know, I, my first gig in New York City was dancing on Idina Menzel's float in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade because right before I moved to New York, the girl that was, uh, the woman that was in um, Shrek with me that played like the mama bear, her cousin was the casting director for Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and they needed a girl that was under five feet and here she was, you know? And um, so it's, yeah, all, all those important, like even, even if you're doing things like regionally or out of town, like all those things matter. How you treat people matters. And so, um, yeah, my, my journey was strange. And the only reason I started doing my show was honestly, cause I was like, I'm the only one who can write my own story. I'm the only one that can write and, and perform the way I do. And so even while I'm auditioning, I, I, you can do your own work. Like mm-hmm. no one told me how to do this. I just kept applying and kept working on it. And I took classes at the Barrow group and, um, anytime you have the opportunity. And, and again, like I had to work really like high-end jobs to make sure I could pay for those classes, right? Because it's not just as easy as like, oh, just show up. It's like those classes are four or $500, you know, uh, every like three weeks. So um, yeah, it's it's definitely a challenge, but I'm really proud of all of the hard work that went into making that happen. And and so I'm just still on that path and I'm so fortunate now I have a great agent and um, like literally she just <laughs> texted me 
<laughs> and was like, where are these pages? Because I'm working on this like adaptation of a, of a thing. And um, it's great. So I'm just, um, I'm really uh, fortunate that it's just work. My, my, my journey has just been a lot of work and um, hopefully continuing to, to, to be the best <laughs> thing that I, I can that. give myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I love, I love all of that. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, so let's get a little bit personal on your piece. Let's talk about your solo show of To Kill, um, uh, to, yeah, To Free a Mockingbird. Um, how did it come to life? Yeah, I, uh, it's, it's, it's silly, but, um, I was living in the Bronx, uh, thanks to like a Facebook, uh, roommate request thing that I answered and, uh, my roommate who I didn't, I didn't yet really know, um, his name was Joe Ferrelli. He's now one of my best friends. He's about to get married. Um, and Joe sat me down. I had just come back from Georgia. And if you know anything about the show, the end of the show, um, I had just come back from that back to New York. And um, I had just dealt with family loss and taking care of um, two two family losses uh, back to back um, that I had to take care of as like a 22 year old um, to to take care of their um, arrangements. And so uh, my friend sat me down. I didn't know him at all. And he goes, can you just tell me the story of what happened? And of course, mm -hmm. he's like a theater guy. And he was like, I just want to know, you know, the the history of it. And I said, um, sure. Uh, I guess I could start at the beginning because we've got nothing else to do tonight and you're going to get to know me really well because I'm going to overshare. And I don't know if he recorded me, but he sat there for about an hour and a half, two hours while I just gushed like a life story at him and almost verbatim the show that you see to Free Mockingbird. And he was like, okay, well, thank you for sharing that. I think you one day need to share that with everyone. And whatever you need from me, I want to be a sounding board because that's a story that needs to be told. And just one person telling me that that is a story worth hearing was what I needed. And I just always want to encourage people that if you have one person that says that to you, that's it. And hopefully, and even if you don't have the, pe the person around you, tell yourself that uh, because like you just said at the top of this, like you immediately identified. I don't think that you have to have lived the same traumas specifically to, mm -hmm. you know, to correlate yourself. Right. So I, I appreciate so much that you saw yourself in that. And I think that the more, uh, you know, descriptive your stories are, the more actually that they 
are resonating with other audiences. You know what I mean? Like I'm so descriptive. I'm like, this is my Mimi from Japan. This is my mom's immigration story. This is all the things. And I'm like, not all, not everybody has a mom named Margaret, but somebody's got a Margaret, you know, in their family or they've got a Bruce. And, um, yeah, it's just, that was, that was what it was. A guy sat me on a couch in the Bronx and said, tell me the story. And I did (laughs) worked out. So, yeah. And I just have to say thank you for sharing your story because, um, as I said in the beginning, when I saw it, I was like, well, I know that Grace does comedy, so maybe I'm going to laugh. And I started laughing and then through half of it, I was like bawling my eyes out and crying so hard and I was like, Grace, you didn't have to do this to me. And then at the end, I was just like, I'm... I have this like warm feeling in me of like this completion journey that you had that most of us, as you said, we we can correlate to the to your story, but we have that completion journey, that healing journey throughout all of it. Um and and it's just I I, I just love that show and I'm I'm really, really happy that I caught it online. Um so yeah, it's it's a really great show. So and thank you for pouring your heart out. Oh, thank you so much. No, I I I've been so fortunate just because you you mentioned that like you you streamed it. I have been so fortunate that the organizations, especially She NYC and She ATL, were so great about recording that and then putting it out for streaming online. Th- streaming accessibility is not common and you would think after the pandemic it would have been but i am so fortunate that those kinds of organizations that especially cater to women and gender nonconforming uh, playwrights specifically um, are making theater accessible in that way so look at that you would not have had the opportunity to see the show <laughs> if it yeah. were for them so i'm i'm so grateful um but i hope that other you know organizations will follow in lockstep with that because uh it's just it has it has absolutely made it to where I can pitch my show because there's a recording of it to theater companies for my agent. Like like it has done so much for the life of the show that would not exist if I had just done it like I had done for years in a basement. So I'm mm-hmm. just throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what advice would you give someone that wants to be in this industry? Oh God. Uh, you know, I think that's a great question. I genuinely think that a lot of what I have learned has been through annoying amounts of research. And I genuinely mean research through Instagram, TikTok, Netflix, like uh, watching every single person you admire and not just fangirling them. I'm not talking about just like fanning them, you know, like we can watch all day long, like someone's like red carpet shoot and you're like, that's great. But if you watch even people you, oh, you know what? This is the advice. Watch people you don't like. And I'll specify, okay? So let's say that there's a director or whatever that you're like, I don't really care for them or whatever, but if they're successful in their field, maybe watch the documentary about how they got there. Maybe watch, you know, some, even an episode of Hot Ones with an actor you don't particularly like, because sometimes they've got nuggets of advice. And if you limit yourself to the people that you're obsessed with, you're not going to learn that much because you're just obsessed with them. And that's awesome. Continue to be obsessed continue to be gagged. But I think that you can learn a lot from people that you aren't particularly always fond of or particularly invested in because to some degree they are successful in whatever it is. And so getting to, and then sometimes you go, oh, that's not something that I would have done, but 
oh, who did they study with? And then you can kind of like rabbit hole from there. Um, for example, I didn't know what the Barrow Group was. This is not a commercial for the Barrow Group, but it also is. I didn't know who the Barrow Group was, uh, but I was a big fan of Mike Rabiglia's solo work. If you saw his latest show, you know, at Lincoln Center, it was excellent. Um, it's no longer there, so I don't, I'm not promoting it right. But um, I was like, he's a solo comedian that is not a, quote, stand-up comic. He's a storyteller. That's what I am. I'm a storyteller. What does he do? I noticed that he worked with the same director on every show, Seth Barish. I Googled Seth Barish. Seth Barish has a book called An Actor's Companion. I went to the drama bookshop, had $13. I bought the book, right? I got it home. I was like, I want to study under this guy. He understands storytelling, right? There I did. I, I took up his class at the Barrow Group for literally solo storytelling. And that was one of the great, it's, it's continued to be the greatest thing that I ever did for the solo show, Life of It, because I understood how to consolidate, because um, I've always been a storyteller. I think I understand that arc pretty well. Um, but learning these little like tricks that he he told everyone to understand. And then I was sitting in a room of other storytellers and I got to watch their process, which was very different than mine. I learned so much. But if I had not Googled this guy who I was like, oh, he does storytelling and then gone down the rabbit hole of like this director and then finding out that he teaches a class, like just go down the rabbit holes, educate yourself. That shit was free. I couldn't afford to have classes at that time. But I kind of, you know, doing your own work in that sense will pay off. Like I didn't go to college for, for the arts at all, but through the internet, I think we're more accessible now than ever to educate ourselves. Um, as long as you're, you know, going about it and, and all the ways, but that's, that's the advice I would have. Like, don't think that because you aren't a Nepo baby or because you aren't already, you know, going to Carnegie Mellon or Michigan that you're fucked. You're not, you're totally not. Um, I just think that you have to get in, get in rooms. Cause I also know that it is like a, who, you know, type of thing, but mm-hmm. continuing to be a great person and great person to work with. If you're a shitty person, sorry, I don't know what to do. But, yeah. <laughs> but um, I think, I think, yeah, it's just uh, Google. Google's free. I say this to everybody. I'm like, Google's free. It's yeah. out there. It's not, <laughs> <you know. laughs> yeah. What's a risk that you've taken that has totally paid off? Oh my gosh. That is a really good question. I saw that on there. Oh, you know, I thought that, especially like now I have my podcast, Tell Me on a Sunday. It's a storytelling podcast where I get to do a very similar thing to what uh, you're doing, but you're amazing at this, um, is that I kept thinking, oh, I can't have a podcast until I've done blank. Oh, I can't have a solo show until I've done blank. Oh, I can't. Ha-. And I would just like set myself up for failure all the time. And it like literally didn't make sense. Like, I don't know why I was like being my own barrier. Yeah. So I think the biggest risk is to say that I am worthy to do all the things I want to do. I think that I can be, you know, Joan Rivers fashion police one day. I think I can be the the most requested like red carpet correspondent. I think I can be, you know, the premier like new solo artist like opening up with like Hassan Minhaj or something. I think I can do all these things. And I probably can because I've tricked myself into thinking that I'm worthy of it. So I think that my biggest risk is almost daily, monthly. If I have a dream, I don't tell myself, well, that's that's kind of that's out of the question. Nope. I, I I trick myself into believing that it's real and that it's such a risk because it's a risk to your mental health. It's a risk to, you know, the people around you, but like just choosing and, and it has literally paid off. Like I, 
people always say the thing of like manifesting yeah. and 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 I'm like I think that we've just like desensitized ourselves to the word so I'm kind of reframing it to say that like take the risk on yourself um which sounds like a, such a dumb privileged thing to say but I genuinely genuinely believe it that loving yourself is like step one and I didn't understand it I didn't understand it until I hit like truly a rock bottom um because I would say that, but it felt like bullshit. Like genuinely it was like, yeah. oh, like believe in yourself. And you're like, okay, girl. <laughs> Just let me, you know? But um, yeah. And also like surrounding yourself with people that um, also believe Brighten in you. Brighten your days. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. Exactly. Brighten your days. Like people that are showing you the same love you're showing them. And like the people that are honest with you, like no, I don't think that that's a thing. But I think that this thing that you that you're kind of into, you're really good at. Lean into it, you know. So I, I think that's a roundabout way of saying like that positivity that's honest, not not bullshit honesty or, or you know bullshit um, positivity. But I think that like honest, honest earnestness, yeah, um, is is the way to go there. Love that. Yeah. Last question. What are your top five favorite musical theater shows? Okay, let's count them down. Uh, I think that Spring Awakening is forever like in the top. Like I would see every version of it. If they came out with a Rugrats cartoon version of Spring Awakening, I would be the first one to be like, can I be a Tommy Pickle? Like, I don't care. I'll do it. Um, Spring Awakening, uh, Fun Home changed my life. I think everyone that has ever watched it, I was more invested in Alison Bechtel's work than I've ever been as like a queer person. Mm -hmm. um, I Yeah, I think Fun Home is like, <laughs> um, gosh, I think that the, <laughs> I was trying not to name something that's like on Broadway right now, um, but Hedvig, I have it tattooed to my rib cage for a reason. It's one of the greatest stories ever told. Um, John Cameron Mitchell, like, you know, step on me. Like, I think that it's like <laughs> the greatest thing ever. Um, so that's number three. Um, gosh, let me, I think West Side, I'll, I'll say four for West Side Story because I think it was very formative to my love of musical yeah. theater. Yes. Like, I think that, that, right? Like, I think yeah. it's everyone has like this one I have to like always call out it was my mom's favorite and I became obsessed with Natalie Wood and then later I was like maybe Natalie Wood shouldn't have played that part but we do love her we do love her it's not her fault bestie like it's not yeah. but um we do we do love what it and and also dance I was you know I grew up a dancer so the dance expression of it was so stunning to me um I think number five because I because there's never a time when I don't press play and listen to it top to bottom and cry a little bit is once. Like, yeah. I think that I think I, yeah, I could see a production of once anywhere and be thrilled. Not a lot of funnies in there. I'm sorry to say, you know, <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> little sad girl, sad girl vibes. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> but yeah. love them. Grace, as you said on your show, there is nothing more valuable that it can give to someone else than your time. Um, and I want to truly, deeply thank you for giving us your time on this show. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and honor. And you know I love you and sending you all my love from here. 
Oh, I love you. And I've never been quoted to me on a podcast. That was beautiful. I'm so honored that you've spent your time with me. And I can't wait to like continue to listen to your amazing podcast and like continue to be like a beacon of your stories. Like, please, please, please. Like if you're not familiar, like everybody look each other up because like this is how we fall in love and and, and, uh, follow each other and our artistic journey. So thank you so much for having me on the show. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of Backstage Talk. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Backstage Talk Podcast. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.